Welcome to the 54th episode of the Super Awkward Funcast with Elle Latham, your hostess with the mostess. And hoping I won't have too many technical issues today because it's going to be kind of jam-packed again with information. So go to the show notes for the links to all the things, the sources that I use to prove my points because these are not just opinions they are fact-based opinions um in a factless world (laughs) that we live in uh anyway hope your weekend is going all right it is uh not weekend yet but friday today it'll be saturday when i post this so uh hope you're off to a good start but i wanted to get into it first Uh, Get this out of the way so you can skip this portion if it's not your bag. I guess, you know, it's not everybody's bag. I haven't done like a deep dive yet. And so this is my deep dive sort of into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial, which I'm sure you've all heard about by now, but you might not know but a little bit about it. Like the poo situation like that okay how do I summarize this oh my gosh it's so this this trial was two years in the making the first trial happened in 2020 in the UK and it was a whole big mess Uh, there were some virtual things in it because of COVID the judge was sucky just sucky What I did that time was read every day's transcript from Nick Wallace, shout out to Nick Wallace from Twitter, who is a journalist who covered it, the whole fucking thing. I would read six hours worth, you know, know, give or take, five, maybe five, four hours, um, ultimately, of transcripts daily of what happened in the courtroom, who said what, what did they say, obviously, who said what, but anyway, um, I read the ins and outs of it, the whole hoax thing, so let's go back, we're going to go back to 2016, so that's when the dissolution of the marriage started to happen, 2017, January 2017 was when the divorce was finalized, but that was after a whole situation where Amber Heard, who was married to Johnny Depp for over a year and some change, I don't know, less than two years, I think. I I can't recall. Um, I guess I could fact check myself. Uh, let's see when they were married. Well, I know it was 2013 to 2016, so maybe it was two something. Hold on. Holding, holding, holding. She's been married twice. This is her second marriage. And first to a male. Make of that what you will. I mean, she wasn't really married to her former lover. They were partners. Um, Okay, married 15 to 2017. 
So I would say a less than two years altogether because they got together in like 2013 or so. Maybe 2012. I can't remember exactly when. But remember that I have a wealth of knowledge in my head and I'm like getting little snippets back, you know, of different trials. So it's a lot. So anyway, um, <clears throat> basically Johnny Depp married Amber Heard after being with her for a little while, having slept with her while he was allegedly still in a relationship and according to him, I think too, um, with Vanessa Paradis, uh, who was his partner of 12 years or so. Yeah, 12 years. And so that didn't, go it wasn't, it was on the, you know, Fritz from the get go, allegedly, you know, in court, they said so. Um, <clears throat> so then he started fucking with Amber Heard, who was 20 something years her, his junior. How old is she? But, <clears throat> she's. Thirty-six, and he's fifty-eight. So, if we do the math, yeah, twenty-two, twenty, twenty, and some change. Okay, so they got married because she wanted to. <laughs> Everything was because she wanted to. Uh, she did not sign a prenup. He tried multiple times to get her to sign a prenup, according to his testimony. Um. And we knew this before from the original case, which was a defamation trial as well. Like, it was based on this article by Dan Wooten, who was the editor of The Sun at the time, which was NGN. Uh, don't ask me what that stands for. I don't remember. NGN was sued by Depp for calling him a wife beater in the article, and he claimed that it um, had destroyed his career in some ways. Uh, or have made him <clears throat> lose work. And then he lost that case because Nichols was not paying attention a lot of the time. The, the judge. and Or Nickel. Um, judge Nickel was awful. <laughs> he just did not know what was going on. So he, he definitely was soured and uh, ended up going with Amber Heard. Then that's when like the media was on Johnny's side. So it all goes back to when she like had these photos of herself with bruises on her face and tried to do a Rihanna and be like, Oh, he hit me, blah, blah, blah. I got a restraining order. And now we're, um, we're getting a divorce and everything all before he even knew any of this. So, uh, news to him. And then, uh, man, there's just so much to this case. It would take so fucking long to get into, and I just don't want to bore you guys with all the details. So just, I'm going to play a few clips to give you a little context, a very little context, because you can't have as much context as I have at all, because, again, I have watched every single day. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, day eight, day eight, day nine, and day 11 of court proceedings since this specific trial started. And we're just on the first case right now. So we're just doing background. So background is, let's let's try and, you know, summarize it. She pretended, allegedly, to have a domestic abuse situation with Johnny Depp and accused him of 
beating her, not only beating her, but also sexually assaulting her, which we didn't even get to hear the testimony or read the testimony of her detailing those events in the original UK uh, suit in that trial. So we don't even know what happened there, what she alleges. So it's not very fair. Um, <clears throat> other than that, there were a bunch of tapes that came out because they were taping each other for their marriage counselor, who did a great job, by the way. I highly recommend her. Uh, <laughs> who said, you know, tape your arguments and see who's right or who's wrong. And, you know, see what you can fix in the relationship when, when you find out what, what occurred. So then they did it back and forth, back and forth. And we have footage. footage. We have uh, audio of her basically admitting to hitting him. She says she hit him. And also saying that the jury won't believe him. So we have that audio. We have audio of him accusing her of throwing punches. She admits to it. She says that's not what this is about. <laughs> Basically admitting to it. Uh, there's one audio that we're not going to hear in court. So I don't know if I should play it for you. <laughs> I probably will because I don't care. Um, but I'll play, I'll play it for you because it was striking to me. It has other people in it. So I don't think it's admissible in this uh, specific trial. But it was admitted in the original one in the UK. They're in Virginia now, I forgot to say. Goddamn. But we haven't even gotten to that yet. <laughs> so we're just doing background. Uh, so yeah, uh, basically... 10 minutes almost. Uh... <laughs> We're not going to go very long on this. It seems like I'm going to go long. I'm going to leave it up to you. If you want to learn all about the case, I'm going to give you all the links. Not, knock yourself out and, you know, have a good time in your leisure at your, in your, at your own pace. But I'm not going to bore you with everything. <clears throat> You're probably already bored. But anyway, poop. There was poop in the bed. Oh, my gosh. That's what you know this from. <laughs> That's what you know this child. This trial is basically known for the poop thing. That's what I've seen in the memes and stuff. And also the lawyer sucking on the Amber Heard side. Although, let's be fair, because I'm watching both. I'm watching everything. Johnny Depp's lawyers aren't that great sometimes either. So, lawyers are infallible human beings. It is what it is. So, anyway. Going back to that time, there is a tape that I'll play um, as much in context as I can of a specific incident which was uploaded by Incredibly Average on their channel on YouTube. Sorry about that noise. And it's, uh, it's a long audio, but there should be a part where I can begin. But Jerry Judge is in it, and he's dead now. He died of cancer. And so he's, he's been get, gone ever since before the tape was released. Or after, I can't remember. But he's dead now. That's all that matters. And in this fucking audio, it there. would put a lot of shit to rest about, like, what people allege in court on the Amber Heard side. Because it, okay, basically, background is alleged, uh, it's alleged that Johnny Depp, by Johnny Depp, and also in his testimony, that he lost a finger on December 15, 2015, in Australia, in a very heated back and forth with 
Amber, which resulted in her throwing a vodka bottle at him and hitting his finger at the bar. And he's very specific about the details of this. And the facts seem to be on his side. And certainly the facts are on his side with this audio. It's pretty plain and simple that that's what occurred. So basically then the medical team gets involved and Ben King is there also. He finds the finger. He's the house manager. It's the tip of his finger that's severed. And they find it. They they put it in ice and then they take it. They're taking him to the hospital and they give him the, give them the finger to put back on and everything. And they go to surgery. So before that, she's a wreck. They have to calm her down, Amber Heard. And it's a conversation with her and uh, Jerry Judge in which she basically admits to, to doing it. Like, I didn't mean to do it. You'll see. Uh, so here's the first audio that I'll play. And I'll give it to you for context as well. I'm going to put it on my list because I have a fucking list of shit that I have to make for you, but I do what I do. Jerry Judge Audio. Oh, Jerry Judge. I, I don't know. I guess he's like a bodyguard or something. I don't know exactly what his title would be. Anyways. Um... Yeah, this was, again, this is released two years ago, so it's been a minute. Let's see here. Hold on. I don't know exactly where I am, so let's find out. She's in the background, like, moaning in this part. Kipper, the the doctor, said, good work, Ben. Kipper, the doctor, said, good work, Ben, right then. I'm going to see if I can skip to the part that we want to get to. Hold on a second. With Jerry. Just hold one moment. Let's skippy skip. Maybe she should have something, is what Kipper says. She says, poor Johnny. I love him. I never meant to hurt him. I didn't do it on purpose. She said, he needs me right now. He needs me. I'm going to the bathroom. They're trying to give her drugs so she'll shut the fuck up. That's the nurse. She says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Again, this is after his finger is severed. And he alleges that she is the one who cut it off with the vodka bottle. And Kipper says, no, I'll tell you what's suddenly happening with her. This is guilt. This is, this is guilt. She won't take 50 
I don't want to go, she says. It's never over. I just feel like this is a nightmare. I don't want to go. If he stays, I don't want people talking. I don't feel like it. I can't lose him. That's her thing. Is she does that a lot. She in the audio, she's like, "Don't leave. Don't do this." She's always asking him to stay, stay, stay. And she accuses him of beating her, and it's like every audio that you hear, she's trying to get him to stay and continue the conversation, which ends up getting violent on her side, uh, which she agrees with <laughs> again. Like there's just no evidence that she's not the aggressor like she's clearly the aggressor she has a lot of issues and we heard in court um day nine day nine uh of this of this trial we heard from dr shannon curry and you can listen to it yourself again i have the audio there uh not the audio the stream the live stream and you can listen and she says that she diagnosed her she had 12 hours of evaluation of Amber Heard and she she found out that she has borderline personality disorder which a lot of people were alleging is the case without having uh, seen her or talked to her in that way um, and Johnny had mentioned it in one of the audio and she was like oh borderline personality disorder and she was also diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder which really makes sense with how whiny and weird she gets and like goes from one to ten so quickly in the audio so i don't know how much more of this i'll play let's see how much we get i don't know i don't want to leave she says knows she's going home she wants to go wherever he is she thinks she's in the house right she thinks he's in the house right now she says right after this i can't with her okay she says did i do this to the whole floor which is referring to the damage that was made that she alleges he did in her witness statements that are there are multiple because she did a bunch more than anyone but she alleged that he one she said that he used a plastic phone to cut his finger off <laughs> anyway by himself and then smeared a bunch of blood and paint on the walls on the mirrors which he did do and has you know testified to doing and that it was all self-inflicted or whatever. Meanwhile, there's another part of this that I'm going to get to. Actually, let's get to that part because that's very... With Jerry Judge. The part with Jerry Judge is very illuminating because she basically... He, he uh, thinks that she... That her marks, which she claims were from the assault that she had from De Depp... He, he thinks they are self-inflicted, which makes sense because if you look at the evidence, 
she was given a knife or she gave a knife to Johnny Depp as a present that said like till death and then she ends up uh, trying to get him not to use the knife which he tries to cut himself with when he's at the end of his rope in their last meeting together in San Francisco in 2016 but that knife could uh, not that knife um, but in the testimony from the Dr. Shannon Curry the, the therapist she found out or forensic psychologist I should say she found out that um, that there was some self-harm in uh, excuse the background sound in Amber's uh, history and Amber had said in a previous audio which I'm not really gonna play but you can look it up for yourself. Um, she said in a previous audio with Johnny Depp in an argument. Uh, oh, wait, no. This is the one where she, where he's cutting himself. He's going to cut himself. So, oh, gosh, it comes back to that. That's a plane. Um, could the plane go away, please? <laughs> eh, whatever. It's awkward. Let's make it completely awkward. Um, okay, anyway, that audio was played a few days ago in court. At, no, it was like... Uh, Thursday, last Thursday, I remember, because that's how they ended the week. And they end every Thursday because they have to do homework on Friday, the lawyers. So they don't have court on Friday because they're too busy figuring out motions and shit. It's, it's court shit. So anyway, they played him attempting to cut himself with a knife. And she says at one point in that audio, which I'll fucking, I'll play it. We want to get the whole story, right? Let me go to the whole thing. Oh my gosh, it's been a minute since I've been to this website. No, no, no. Hold on. I don't know how to find that that way, so I'm going to go to YouTube. <laughs> I would go to the exhibits, but I, I just don't know where it would be. Well, obviously it would be on Thursday, but anyways. Uh, Johnny Depp. Well, we can hear it. <laughs> Cutting there okay here we go here's the miss her the part this is from court <laughs> there's a lot of like bad you know they're secretly taping so it doesn't sound great Let me skip. Hold on. No, thank you. No, thank you. The sperm on the pillows. <laughs> I love that there's no fucking context for that. I wonder if he's referring to her new boyfriend, who might or may not be Elon Musk. <laughs> Probably Elon Musk. Oh, trigger warning. Goddamn, sorry. <laughs> trigger warning. Self-harm. Leave if you don't want to hear. Or skip to a minute from now. No, two minutes, just to be safe. Not 
Also, she recorded this illegally, of course. She was setting him up, still. He's talking about the court. Like, he doesn't want to go to court. He doesn't want any of this to happen. So she says right there, it doesn't make it go away. She says that from experience, right? So com remember that this was in 2016. You can listen to the show now. Thank you. Um, this is 2016. And she had said in that audio that she knows that it doesn't make the pain go away to cut yourself, to hurt yourself. And Jerry Judge, in the audio that we're not going to hear in court, so you're hearing it here only, I guess, um, um, said to about her, about her, or actually maybe it was Clip Kipper. I, I don't want to confuse the two. I think it was Clip Kipper, Doctor Kipper, the doctor. He could have. I think he could have been the one. I want to make sure though. Let me get to that part then. Uh, da da da. But she shattered it to the bone. Oh, that's important. <laughs> Let's go there. Okay. Hold on. We're back to the audio of the incident with the finger. She did this. Look, Ben. Look, she. This is Kipper. He testified, by the way. No audio was played from this event. I can't find the fingertip. This is before they find the finger. It would have been where the initial injury... Holy fuck, says Debbie Lloyd. Who's the nurse? Wow. Wow, wow. So I just, this is Kipper again. Just, so I just, so you know, I don't care, I don't know if you can tell from it, but she shattered the bone about his finger. She says, awesome. Damn. And this is all recorded by Amber Heard, who wiretapped them, basically. <laughs> Uh, the consensus is that she was recording so that she'd know how to tell her story, what story to go with and what they would believe and what they wouldn't or something like that. She's very manipulative. Alright, let me see if I find that part. Amber stomps away. Okay, then we got the part where we heard... Heard. 
We heard, heard. Okay, did I do this to the whole floor? Ben is saying she's happy. She, she he's happy to go with her, so you know. This is Jerry Judge. keeps talking about okay that so she called uh johnny depp a fat old man to his sister and he's and she, and he said to him about it he, he talked or he told christy about it or something well let me go back shit <laughs> okay hold on <laughs> She keeps holding, she keeps crying, she keeps holding my hand. She's made it quite clear to me. She said, I thought I trusted you and I don't because you told Christy that I called Johnny a fat old man. I said, yes, I did. And I said... She turned around and said Johnny had a phone call at five different times over the fat last couple of weeks. Saying his sister said to Johnny, uh, this is what she was just saying to me. This is crazy that she's talking about this after he lost his finger. Like, the fact that she's talking about the, uh, she's a She's a number of things. I told you I would never lie for you, nor to you, and I won't lie to John, he says. cleaning up the mess and everything okay so here's the part where he says that she admits and again this is his hearsay so we're probably never gonna hear it um, she admits that she threw the first one she threw a bottle at him hold on to me that she threw a bottle she, uh, she threw it first she did it first or something like that she missed me and I say to her he wants a settlement 
And she says, I disagreed and refused to do it in my temper. And he, he was, he was shouting at her and screaming at her. Here it is. She has scratches on her left arm, which Debbie talked about. I looked at it. This is Jerry Judge. It was Jerry Judge. I knew I had that right. I should always go with my instinct. I know this case. <laughs> he said, if you didn't hear that, I've seen those scratches on people before, and as far as I know, they're self-inflicted. I'm convinced of that. They're self-inflicted. Meaning that she harmed herself and claimed that it was Johnny who did it to her. So, how does this tie into Elon Musk, you must be wondering, because we've been covering it a long time. Um, again, if you want to know all the ins and outs of this case, please, please go to the audio that I have linked below. All of the stuff is in there. All the links in the shows, in the show notes. I just didn't want to spend an hour talking about this. So we're going to get into the Elon Musk as aspect of it. So as you probably are aware, he bought Twitter for $44 billion, which he made during the pandemic, a lot of it. And just dumped some shares in Tesla as well. He just dumped some shares in Tesla and $4, million, $4 billion in there. Um, but basically, he was supposed to testify in this trial because he did come up, and he came up a great bit um, yesterday. Oh, and I'll put that in the notes. So I'll put uh, my Twitter thread that I did so you can read the, 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 the stuff. Uh... Twitter thread. So yeah, basically ACLU is at fault and also Elon Musk because he gave money, 500 grand, and then another 500 grand, I think. Or was it 350? I'm not really 100% sure because the, the, the um, information keeps changing or whatever for some reason. Uh, but anyway, he gave money to ACLU on behalf of Amber Heard, while he was dating her, or after he dated her and was trying to get back with her or something. And we had seen text messages in the first trial between the two and him basically trying to get her attention and be like, hey, I want you back. Um, but anyway, he gave money to ACLU. ACLU was one of two organizations that she had vowed that she would give $3.5 each to. Uh, she was going to give $3.5 million uh, to ACLU and also $3.5 million to the Children's Hospital of L.A. It turns out she only gave $1.3 or 2 It's hard to know because I'm not good at math either. So if they say $1.2, I believe them. If they say $1.3, I believe them. And I've heard both. So over $1 million has been given, most of it in her name, <laughs> on her behalf by... Elon Musk and Johnny Depp through the settlement. So she gave her divorce settlement money. She was supposed to give it to them, but she only gave them part of it. And she was given all these emails and, you know, communique saying, you know, the pledge is 10, 10 years fulfilled, you know, 350,000 a year is basically what they were suggesting. And again, when it comes to development, it comes to fundraising, and I know a little bit about it, there's no real guarantee 
for money. So you can't really say, oh, she guaranteed this amount and she flaked or whatever. You could say that. There's not really much of a case there. And I don't think they're going for that. I think they're going for she made a commitment. She said publicly that she was going to do this stuff. She didn't follow through. And then she got Elon Musk to help out with the Vanguard charitable contribution that he did, which was 500000 originally. And then, uh, so yeah, 100000 of which was from Johnny Depp. And basically just to help you know, everybody need. I mean, this bitch needs help a lot because she has a lot of financial difficulties, apparently. Um, which is why she had to marry him in the first place, allegedly. But, anyway. I love that we're going from Johnny Depp to Elon Musk to Fauci. Because that's the order we're going in. And you're just going to have to to go with me here. Uh, Elon Musk dated her... Um, and had the money situation there. ACLU looks stupid as fuck right now. They had to open up their records finally. And they didn't do it the first trial. But now they had to, had to do it because it was relevant to this post. Which they helped create. Which is the subject of this trial. Which is the op-ed in Washington Post that she made. Which I should have referenced before. But whatever. Where she claimed that she had to... Um, she had a, an incident and restraining order and all this stuff. And she never named him, but it was implicit that she was talking about Johnny Depp. And they were explaining how they were talking with lawyers and stuff. How are we going to make sure she's not in hot water or whatever? <laughs> Great job there. Um, but they were like having communique back and forth with her about the op-ed, which was going to go in USA Today and all the... I mean, they were looking at all these other publications, like top-tier publications, and she had Aquaman coming out, so they wanted to really get the timing right and everything. So, like, all of this is in the trial from yesterday. So if you watch Day 11, you'll know what the fuck I'm talking about. So, <laughs> again, linked below. So there's a whole playlist I'll put there. So, anyway, Elon Musk was supposed to testify, right? And James Franco was also supposed to testify, but it wasn't that big a deal because James Franco was in the elevator one night. And yeah, he was probably having an affair, allegedly, with Amber. But, like, that's really not relevant to the situation. So if they wanted to bring him in, fine. But if they didn't, who gives a shit? But he's already said, like, nah, he ain't gonna do it. And that's fine. But Elon said he wasn't gonna do it, too. And it's like, dude, you're, like in this like your money is in this you should be there you should at least do a virtual or something but yeah he's not going to testify so shows how much power he has or how they don't really need him i guess anymore or he doesn't want to i don't know what the case is when when you have someone testify on your behalf for your side like the defense's side which would be amber heard when they don't want to and they're like nah i really don't want to do the testimony in defense of her <laughs> and if they can make him go to the other side i would like him to go to the other side but he ain't gonna go to the other side i mean we don't live in a perfect world with things shit happens that you want to happen we live in a shitty world where shit always happens that doesn't need to happen and yet it happens anyway but anyway 
Yeah, so Elon Musk isn't testifying now, so that's boring. That's horrible. It's going to be an even more boring trial than it is. And there are boring moments. There's so many boring moments, but that's trials for you. So if you watch one day, you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is riveting. The next day, you'll be like, oh my gosh, everything's a video deposition. Why is this two hours long? <laughs> but it's important information to the case and to the people involved and will be the case in chief for the defense or the the plaintiff in this case um but yeah it's going to be a long trial it's going for four weeks um so it'll be done by the time i get back here and recap y'all for the the whole thing so once we get to that like we'll have all the testimony from amber which will be oh that'll be fun um and i get to talk about all the lies she said uh, there weren't a lot of lies that were caught um, with Johnny Depp when he was on the stand, which you probably heard about. Um, he did a very good job in, in keeping it based on, like, you know, he doesn't make himself look great all the time. Like, he has certain clips where he, that he submitted as evidence or admitted as evidence that doesn't make him look great. That doesn't, you know, that shows that he can have a temper and stuff, but he doesn't care. He he allegedly wants the truth to come out. That's what he said. So everything that I'm seeing on his side is him trying to get to the truth. And that is good in a case because you don't want both of them to be back and forth with contradictory stories with no evidence. Like, that's not fun. I love evidence. I'm all about evidence. And I got a plethora of evidence uh, in this case that shows that the plaintiff does has a, have a case here. That he is not all that he's been built up to be by the defense. And, you know, he could have a defamation um, surprise here. I mean, I don't know because he's sued for $50 million. She countersued for $100 million. I don't see her countersuit going anywhere. Her whole thing is falling apart. Her case is falling apart every day. There's like a new lie that gets exposed and the fucking attorney won said amica cream like a million times instead of arnica cream which was so embarrassing and also said something about this makeup being used milani makeup which didn't even exist back in the day when she was saying it was used to cover up the bruises and by the way it's really hard to cover up bruises i can't even cover up a fucking pimple you think i'm gonna be able to cover up a bru whatever i'm not gonna get into it but anyway um yeah so that's basically the case. I went way too long talking about it. I do apologize. If you have skipped to now, I'm going to get into Fauci in a couple of minutes, but I'm going to wrap up the Johnny Depp shit. In case you care, <laughs> I'm giving you a summary. This is a summary as it gets. The poop thing happened from Coachella. If you heard about it, uh, Meepoo, um, Amber Turd, she allegedly pooped in his bed. Somebody pooped in his bed. It was a human being, most likely. I've seen the poop. Doesn't look like dog poop. Make of that what you will. She did it on his side of the bed. Or somebody did it on her, his side of the bed. She went to Coachella, got high on drugs. Which doesn't matter because she's allowed to do that. But every time he gets high, we need to hear about it. Um, and we need to like be all uh, concerned. <laughs> But not about her behavior and not about her meds and everything that she does and cocaine and shit. But, and red wine, of course, which she drank more of than him, according to the staff. Um, anyway, so she 
comes back. Well, he comes back to the place where he's going to go back to the place. And they're like, Johnny, don't go. Johnny, you don't want to go back. You know, there's, there's some, there's a surprise waiting for you or whatever. And then he's like, what? And then they show him a picture. He's like, oh, it's, it was poop. <laughs> or he said, uh, human fecal matter, which is the technical term. So yeah, there was another incident that you might have seen a meme about with the Amber Heard's attorney, Rottenborn. Um, not Rottenborn, but he had a lot of memes where he was like, hearsay, 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 hearsay on everything that Johnny was saying, back and forth, back and forth. And they had like a little tete-a-tete going on. And Johnny was really funny back and forth. But then this other dude comes up who looks very much like him, so it's hard to confuse, not confuse the two. Um... And he comes in and he's like talking to Ben King and Ben King tries, who's the house manager um, who dealt with the finger. And he's uh, talking about the finger thing. When he sustained an injury to his finger, I heard when from Debbie when he sustained an injury to his finger is when he was starting to say as an, an answer to the attorney's question. The attorney immediately was like, objection, hearsay, your honor, <laughs> to his own question. So I think he thought it was to the answer, basically. So he didn't want to hear that answer. So he said, hear hearsay, which technically is true. He's like, somebody told me, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like he could have been like, could you rephrase that without do committing hearsay? Like there are other people who have said that sort of thing and they've gotten told, okay, we'll say that in a different way. How did, how did you observe it? You know, did you observe blah, blah, blah. So anyway, if you want to learn about law a little bit, there you go. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Elon Musk bought tw Twitter. The whole world is better. I have a thread <laughs> that I'll link to as well of, uh, well, two different tweets. No, no. One tweet where I, uh, I said, fuck you, your Neuralink and whatever you're going to use to authenticate all humans because he was saying that in his tweet like that he was going to bring back free speech um and also get rid of bots and stuff and then the bots detected that i had potentially abusive behavior and i got in a timeout for 12 hours on twitter so great job off to a good start as i said so that worked out so let's get to the part with uh, fauci we're going on to Fauci. I'm a little late on it. I do apologize. We're skipping right to Fauci. So Fauci came back and he said some stuff that he had to walk back. So let's join that journey of excitement and love. Loving chaos. Um, let's see here. With the latest news on Dude, don't talk. Hold on. So this is Fauci on PBS three days ago. On why the U.S. is out of the pandemic phase. Well, yay! I thought we were when we had uh, news that the mandate, the mask mandate, was ended by court order from Kimball. Men, there's an M in there. I don't remember their name. Mizell, something like that. Uh, from this chick from Florida, Tampa, Florida, um, from one of the circuits. Uh, who said, you know what, you, you can't just keep extending shit. <laughs> Stop. And then CDC's like, okay, sure. And the airports are like, yes, please. Because they didn't want this in the first place. They wanted the mask mandate to end on traveling, you know, in on public transit. 
And then the transit's like, in New York's like, nope. New York City's like, metro's like, nope, 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 nope. And then the metro in LA was like, yeah, okay, sure. For a couple of days. And then they were like, nope, okay. We're not going to do that. We're going to keep it going. So keep wearing those masks that you're not wearing because you don't care about it anymore and neither do I. But um, at least for, per, you know, to make people feel a little bit at ease, we can pretend that we care. Another airplane! Yay! But at least it's not a helicopter. It's always something. But at least it ain't that right now. So that's good. We are filming in my not-studio apartment. And it isn't a studio. It is a one-bedroom. Because that's how classy I am. <sighs> Anywho. <laughs> we are going to get to Fauci. Um, I set that up. Mass mandates ended. Then they began again in a lot of areas. Especially near me. And then in the BART. Uh, at the San Francisco uh, Transit and some other transit authorities are doing it and it's pretty stupid and nobody really cares anymore and the metro fuck the subway in la nobody gives a shit i mean if you give a shit people will give you shit because they don't give a shit you know what i'm saying and they're like smoking all kinds of shit anyway so that's the least of anyone's health problems um anyway Fauci came out of his hole and he said something. He said winter's ending. The dark winter is ending. But then he was like, never mind. My bad. So let's see him waffle again. Because that's so fun. Years. So the idea that if you look at the serology, which is the antibody test in the blood, care. which lasts indefinitely, it does give of immunity okay, let me that's go there. in the blood, which determines whether you've been infected or not, is not surprising that you have that proportion of the population. I think it's important Here we for go. people to realize that because although immunity following infection and recovery does not last indefinitely, it does give a degree, a variable degrees of protection against severe disease if you get reinfected. So if you add up the people who've been infected plus the people who've been vaccinated and hopefully boosted Hopefully. You have a rather substantial proportion of the United States population that has some degree of immunity that's residual, either residual from prior infection or hopefully hey, people remember? who are getting vaccinated and boosted. We know we have 66% of the total population has been vaccinated. Not enough, and right? Y'all want half more. Half of them have... Also, they're using these fucking figures, let me just say, and that's one dose. That doesn't even count. Hell, two doses don't even count. So they're not protected. Even by your own definition of protected. <laughs> so it's not really vaccinated if it's just one of a primary series of two. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a magi magician. I'm not a mathematician. But I know that one vac vaccine of this doesn't count anything. Like, that's nothing. Uh, let's go back into the past real quick. We're just going to do another flip-floppy, flippy-flop. Um, Fauci on immunity. We're going to Brave Search because we do not trust YouTube to find this for us. Oh dear. Hold on. 2004 comments on flu vaccine. Natural immunity taken out of context. Oh, was it now? Oh, was it now? 
Well, let's see it for ourselves from C-SPAN. How is it taken out of context from C-SPAN? But all right. I guess I'm supposed to find the screen the now is here. Dr. Tony Fauci of the National uh, Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. We're here to talk about the flu. Dr. Fauci, what is the status of the flu vaccine? Well, the flu vaccine situation is such that I'm, we had expected. I'm skipping it, the, the but I'm getting to the point here. Hold on. Million doses, which would have been. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at the transcript and trying to find that part so we can have that context that we love so much. Okay. I don't know how to find this. I guess we're going to have to use our editing skills. And probably the most that we ever ordered for the flu second. season. Rather, let's find it. Women who are pregnant during the flu to hurt people. This is, this is an unfortunate occurrence. Maybe this is it. I am healthy. Should I get the vaccine? Absolutely. If you're going to be 90 in January, you are well beyond the 65-year-old limit for elderly people to get the vaccine. So we strongly suggest that you do get the vaccine. Caller, if I could ask, have you gotten the flu shots before? Yes, I get it. Caller? <laughs> and sometimes people get the vaccine and they already are incubating the flu. So they wind up a few days. What is he saying? Not them like stopping him saying this. Do shit. you get it every? Hold on. A second. Thanks for your call, uh, Archdale, North Carolina. Yes. Good morning. Um, I have a, a question about the vaccine. I know that uh, I know a lot of people that has had it, and when they take it, they get sick. But they say that it doesn't cause you to get the flu. I know y'all are not stopping this. This website is like literally stopping it before I get to the fucking point. I'm gonna try and do a setting here. You got to be kidding me right now. Ask, have you gotten the uh, Archdale, North Carolina? I know a lot of people that have had it, and when try they again. take it, they get sick. But they say that it doesn't cause you to get the flu. Oh my gosh, they're like keeping that part from, I'm not even kidding, like. Already circulating. Let me try And it. sometimes people get the vaccine and they already are incubating the flu. So they wind up a few days. Why is it not playing? This is insane. Very rare that people get uh, a feeling that is like the flu when they I'm get vaccine. I'm skipping it but so it'll play. what you're hearing about and what you're experiencing is not uncommon. It's just circumstantial that someone wants. Oh, fuck me. Okay. When it shifts from one animal to another, it reassorts its... I'm trying to find the, the original clip. I'm only 30 years old. Go yeah. ahead, St. Louis. Yes, I uh, got the flu last year. Uh -huh. And it put me down for about a week. And I'm only 30 years old. I'm wondering if I should go ahead and get the flu shot or no. if I should be okay without it. Well, if you get the flu, you don't feel well, that's for sure. Flu, flu is, is nothing to be, to be laughed at at all. Uh, it, it's a disease that can make you feel badly. If you're young and healthy like you, generally you feel badly for a few days to a week and you do just fine thereafter. If you are, you say you're 30 years old, if you have no other complications, no chronic disease, no debilitating disease, we're asking that you forestall getting your flu shot 
<laughs> for now, in order to get for the high-risk individuals that I spoke about just a few moments ago. They always ago, do the, the high-risk individuals. The infants and children, the people with chronic disease. We're asking that because there is a shortage of flu shots this year. We want to make sure that the people just like the there was a shortage of masks, right? First. <laughs> do you see rationing? Well, I don't think there's going to be deliberate rationing in the sense of coercive rationing. I, I believe you're going I to wish be they hearing told me and have where already it heard is uh, public service thing. type announcements to get people aware oh, okay. to, to, to really try and be public spirited and not go for a vaccine. That's a little bit more difficult to affect if you go into a chain store pharmacy where it's I'm very trying difficult to find for the person it in the behind text. the counter to be questioning a person about their health. But I, we, we believe that physicians, nurses, and healthcare providers in clinics and hospitals, when they distribute the flu, they're better able to ascertain and, and enforce a bit, uh, uh, gently as it were, that people who are otherwise young, healthy, and normal do not yet get their vaccine. Queens, New York, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I would like to find out, I had cancer, I was operated on breast cancer five years ago and I took tamoxifen and now I'm taking Arimidex and uh, I have diabetes right. and I would like to find out how I could get, should I get the flu shot and where can I get the flu shot? Will my uh, young doctor, medical doctor, will get flu shot? Yeah. Well, you, you, if you oh, here, I found it. Fucking A. Sorry. Three major uh, pandemics of influenza. Found it, was it 1918, guys. which was the most serious the big of clip. pandemic flu was sometimes referred to as the Spanish flu, inaccurately referred to as the Spanish flu. And then there was 1957 and 1968, which was the Asian flu. This and the is Hong the context that they it were worried about. It was during that period of time that a large we'll number of individuals were infected. Um, the flus that are going around now resemble in some respects those flus in the sense of the reason it was a particularly bad year because it was the first time this particular subtype of the flu was experienced by our society. But those types of flu have now been around a while, so most of the people who are in society have some degree of immunity towards it, adults that is. Children uh, don't have that kind of immunity, and that's one of the reasons why children from six months to 23 months are those who generally get the significant complications and have a higher incidence of hospitalization than adults who have a baseline immunity to flus that have been hanging around for previous years. Okay, there's the context. We have the full context for the quote, and now we're moving on to the rest of the clip. Uh, I'm going to skippy skip because I can't anymore. <laughs> Let's get to the out of the pandemic part. The vice president of the United States, uh, and many of them are having mild or no symptoms at all. Oh yeah! What is that? Congratulations, all these people in government who aren't getting tested as regularly as these individuals but they're boosted. are. They may just it's all be good. walking around with COVID, um, but not aware of it. I think you just hit the nail on the head there, uh, Judy, mm -hmm. because I am virtually certain that we are under undercounting the number of infections. Of course. Just for the same reason. There are many people, people who I know myself, friends and others, who get infected, who do an antigen test, don't get many symptoms, but don't report it to anyone. So the fact is there are infections that are not Did getting it happen centrally if you don't report reported. It? So I do believe that there's an undercount. We should do better than that. We should probably be able to track them a much better. But the good news is the one that you mentioned, and you're absolutely correct. The relationship or ratio between hospitalizations and infections 
is such that we're not seeing a comparable increase proportionately of hospitalizations. Unlike what was happening with Delta, when as the cases went way up, the hospitalizations Remember also Delta? went way up. Should we have stricter reporting requirements, though, so that the, the country can just keep better track of how many cases there are? Yeah, I, I would like to see that. I would like to see a way where when you get an antigen test somehow or other, you can put it in an app and just get some some way of, of recording it. It would give us a much better feel yeah, and a much better understanding an of the scope we need more of apps. any rebound. Even though it's a mild rebound, you really like to know what the accurate counting of cases is. Well, for those who are having symptoms now, Dr. Fauci, there's been a fair amount of discussion lately about a, a treatment, a drug called Paxlovid, and I know there are generic names for it as well. A fair amount of confusion about uh, who should be taking it, who shouldn't. There's a sense that it's not available to many people who, who need it. Uh, it does require a doctor's prescription. We are told that it is available, but it's not reaching everyone who needs it. Uh, what should we know about this drug? We are underutilizing what is a highly effective therapy. <sighs> In clinical trials, there are a lot of doses available. We have sites where you can get drug therapy if they're eligible. We've ordered tens of thousands more of these, of these drugs, namely Paxlovid, there now, we started off with 20,000 sites have packs of it available. We're increasing that to, to 30,000 right with the aim of going to 40,000, essentially doubling the number of I'm not trying and to sell clinics drugs. and oh. places like that, as well as something that's important that you alluded to is educating the public and the healthcare providers that this is something that is available and that should be much more widely used. Dr. Fauci, let me broaden this out and ask you, here we are, it's the end of April, it's the spring of 2022. How close are we to the end of this pandemic? Well, that's an unanswerable question for the following reason. And, and I don't want to be evasive about it, but let me tell you why I'm will. giving you that answer, Judy. We are certainly right now in this country out of the pandemic phase. Namely, we there don't we have 900,000 new infections a day and tens and tens and tens of thousands of hospitalizations and thousands of deaths. We are at a low level right now. So if you're saying, are we out of the pandemic phase in this country? We are. What we hope to do, I don't believe, and I've, and I've spoken about this widely, we're not going to eradicate this virus. If we can keep That's that level very low, and intermittently vaccinate people. And I don't know how often that would have to be, Judy. No, he doesn't that might know. Be it's every four year, months, that five might be months. Longer in order to keep that level low. But right now, we are not in the pandemic phase in this country. Pandemic means a widespread throughout the world infection that spreads rapidly among people. So if you look at the global situation, there's no doubt this pandemic is still ongoing. Doc. Okay. So that was his original statement. Then we cut to yesterday. Eddie Fauci making news after telling PBS that the U.S. is now, quote, ABC out news. of the pandemic phase. A lot of questions about that and what he meant and what Dr. Fauci is now saying. Here's Eva Pilgrim tonight. 
Tonight, Dr. Anthony Fauci making headlines, saying while the world still faces the coronavirus pandemic, the U.S. is entering a new stage. We are certainly right now in this country out of the pandemic phase. I probably could have just saved y'all some time and come here to begin with. New infections a day and tens and tens and tens of thousands of hospitalizations and thousands of But we of need deaths. context, We right? are at a low <laughs> level right now. Dr. Fauci later clarifying, saying the pandemic is not over, but the country has entered a more controlled phase, <laughs> and that does not mean we are out of the woods. It comes as hospital admissions are up 15% and projected to climb in the... And then fear porn. So, basically, I said what I said. I didn't really mean it because we still need to sell some more drugs, is what he said, basically. So then we have... Um, Finally, we're going to get to articles. You know how much you love hearing me read articles, right? Like, isn't that the best? Um, so basically the news is with the booster situation, you might not have, might have heard it, might have not. Pfizer has asked FDA to clear COVID-19 booster shot for children ages 5 to 11. I see no problem with that. I think it's a great idea. This is sarcasm. So Basically, this is from the LA Times, from Riley Griffin, from Bloomberg, April 26, 2022. Pfizer, Inc. has used, has used, my bad, has asked U.S. regulators for emergency use authorization of a booster shot that's not needed at all for children under, say, under 11. Or, yeah, age 5 to 11. Like, children are not at risk at high risk. They're not high risk individuals, are they, Fouch? Anyway, so, setting in motion an effort to provide extra protection to kids, even though they don't need it because they're not at risk, at high risk, which everyone else knows. Pfizer and partner BioNTech submitted data to the Food and Drug Administration from a late stage study that showed a third boot third dose booster shot given about six months after the second dose. Remember when that was a fucking conspiracy theory? Oh, you're going to have to do both booster after booster, top up after top up. They're going to have you take this and then you're going to take it again. Then you're going to take it again. They didn't even admit that it was a primary series of two until way later in the game too. Uh, I'm not even going to read the next part because it's just bullshit. The companies also plan to submit data to the European Medicines Agency, or EMA, and other regulators around the world, according to a statement Tuesday. No new safety concerns were identified, they said. Uh, they would say that, wouldn't they? The U.S. campaign to immunize children, which is not really what they're doing, but okay, has tapered off with 28% of children ages 5 to 11 fully vaccinated according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, fewer than a quarter of adolescents 12 to 17 who are el already eligible for boosters have received one. That bodes poorly for a booster campaign among the youngest children, experts say. Experts are in charge of everything, right? And they know everything, right? They're so smart. I trust them. Trust the experts. They know what they're talking about. And then Moderna, not to be outdone, wanted to come out and be like, yeah, we're going to do the same shit. <laughs> so I got another article. Oh, wait, this isn't an article. It's a, is, it's a video. 
but it's very hard to watch because it doesn't exist. <laughs> oh wait, okay, here it is. Found it. All right, we'll go to this video. Hold on. It's very short. Okay, I don't know why it's not playing. Never mind. <laughs> We're gonna go back. Oh, okay, I got a video. Duh. Alright, we'll go to the video here. It's pretty simple. Switching gears, everyone. Moderna has submitted an emergency use authorization request for this is from Yahoo Finance. My favorite. Following additional data revealed during their studies. Here with more, we've got Yahoo. Oh, Finance there's a Pfizer one too. I'm supposed Anjali to go Kamani, to. Anjali, good to have you here with us. I'll so go there. What's the significance of Moderna's latest submission to the regulatory agency? Well, it marks the first uh, COVID vaccine company to be able to submit for that age group. We know that under six, under five really is an unmet area. So right now what the Moderna vaccine specifically is catering to is from six years to six months. And they are using 25 micrograms of that mRNA vaccine dose. That's about a quarter of the adult vaccine dose. That'll work. Meanwhile, we know the efficacy numbers have been some cause for concern. 51% <laughs> effective in age of six months concerning. to under two years. 37% effective in two years to under six months uh, to under six years i've had conversations you with wish. health experts no one seems to be really concerned about these numbers especially in light of the, no fact one, that the clinical trials were no one seems to be concerned why ask yourself why conducted during the omicron wave so that's really important to remember and that's why then why would it work now so when there's in a addition, new wave uh, one of the health experts i spoke to some bs to variant we kind of got carried away with the messaging on these numbers when the adult vaccine the first time uh, right, yeah 90 for mrna doses uh came up and so we kind of lost the idea so the fact that it continues to protect against severe disease that's really the key to keep focus on right now and so that's thing that's where things stand right now the eua filing has just started it is going to continue and be completed by next week. And that's important to keep in mind because we do know that uh, there were some reports that the FDA might wait for Pfizer uh, to file before looking at this. But we just got word uh, reports. Oh, this is for the that, vaccine uh, the FDA, for young, uh, young kids, six months and, uh, and older. My bad. Uh, but yeah, that's the children booster. I don't know why I can't get that article, but whatever. But I'm supposed to have another article here. Not article, video, vidya. Oh yeah, here we go. Here's the Pfizer one. Damn. I have to look everything up. Got some breaking news to get to as Pfizer has filed a formal application to the US Food and Drug Administration for an EUA, emergency use authorization for a booster dose for children of the community vaccine community five through 11 years of age okay so there's that and then there's doo -doo 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 -doo. also shout out to netflix having a rough time right now aren't you well i just left and i'm happier than ever okay no more subscription damn it now i gotta go all the way down there's so much on these pages how to delete your Twitter account. Yeah, you're not trying anything there. Moderna files for six months to six years. Yeah, they're just going to come out and be like, yeah, don't worry about that 51% and the 20-something percent. Like, this one's going to work. Believe us. Trust us. Anyway, you get the point. Um, 
So that's what happened there. And then FDA released a press release regarding uh, something for children. So they got a new drug for children, a, a new treatment called Veclery Remdesivir. So they're giving Remdesivir to children now, 28 days of age and older, who are hospitalized or not hospitalized and have mild to moderate COVID-19 and are at high risk for progression to severe COVID-19, including hospitalization or death. So that's what's happening there. While you're paying attention to all this other shit. Okay, and now we're going to get to the meat and potatoes. Sorry, vegans. Um, you might have heard that Ukraine just got another $33 billion request by the government of U.S., um, by the puppet-in-chief, um, Biden, who put it in a speech. And this is part of his beautiful speech about asking for that money from Congress. And you'll just, you'll just love this. This is so great. I'm going to try and give you as much context as possible. Let's go. To expand domestic production and, reserve, and the reserve of critical materials... Materials this like is nickel and from yesterday that have been disrupted by Putin's war in Ukraine. All about Ukraine. Necessary to make everything from defense systems to automobiles. What we're going to do with all that and money? I hope Congress. I hope Congress will move on this funding quickly. I believe they will. I want to thank Congress, Democrats, and Republicans for their support of the people of Ukraine. Yep. And next week, I will be in Alabama to visit Lockheed Martin plant. Oh, manufactures fun. the Javelin anti-tank missile we've been sending to Ukraine. Sounds good. And to thank the American workers, thank them for producing the weapons for that help stop for Russia's advances in Ukrainian cities like Kiev. Kiev. Their hard work has played a critical role in ensuring Putin's strategic failure in Ukraine, and they should know that we know it. In addition to this supplemental funding, I'm also sending to Congress a comprehensive package of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their, their ill-begotten gains. Uh-huh. We're going to accommodate them. Okay. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Try, try it again? Yeah. Try, kleptocracy. Try it again. Okay. The, the guys who are the kleptocracies. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> you got there. bad guys. Eventually. This legislative package strengthens our law enforcement capabilities. That makes to sense. To seize property linked to Russia's kleptocracy. It's going to create new expedited procedures sure. for forfeiture and seizure of these, of these properties. Uh -huh. It's going to ensure that when the oligarch's assets are sold off, right. funds can be used directly to remedy the harm Russia caused in their help and help build Ukraine. Okay. Additionally, yesterday, Russia threatened two of our allies with a cutoff of energy supplies. How dare they? While America has ended all Russian fossil fuel imports, Oh, okay. Because we're able to use our vast support, uh, supply of power in our country. Some European that countries have faced more challenges in reducing their reliance on Russian fuel. Mm -hmm. Russia has long claimed to be, quote, the reliable source of energy for the world. No matter what the differences are, their customers are always going to be, uh, be in good shape. But these actions prove that energy is not just a commodity that Russia sells to help meet other countries' needs, but a weapon. We use to deploy against those who stand against their aggression. <clears throat> so let me be clear. Oh, 
Got something we will not let Russia intimidate or blackmail their way out of these sanctions. We will not allow them to use their oil and gas to avoid consequences for their aggression. We're working with other nations like Korea, Japan, Qatar, and others uh -huh. to support our effort to help the European allies threatened by Russia with gas, blackmail, and their energy needs in other ways. Gas, blackmail. Aggression will not win. Threats will not win. Mm. This is just another reminder of the imperative for Europe and the world to move more and more of our power needs to clean energy. In the United States, we're doing that right now. Okay, and then he goes into that. But like, yeah. So if you're wondering, okay, like, we've sent, we've, we technically have paid <laughs> billions and billions of dollars, I don't even know how much now, to Ukraine, basically Nazis, in government because the Nazis are in government in in the military that's doing a lot of the supposed war crimes allegedly as well <laughs> um, that have been talked about ad nauseum by the administration the regime here um, so that brings us to after that happened that was just such a beautiful thing that happened that we had to hear from Saki the next day. Not the next day. The same day we heard from Saki. In a press briefing. And I love those. So let's go over that. I'll just play the key moments from that. That are relevant to what we're doing here. And we're doing something. Where did she go? I thought I put it up. Okay, let me try it again. Open a new tab. Well, how about that? Oh, I see. I had to. I can't do too many uh, tabs apparently on this uh, tablet that I have. I did not know that. All right, good to know. So this is from yesterday, which would be the twenty eighth of April, and there's a bunch of little goodies in here that she gives us some information about. Um, one of which is student loan debt. So basically, you probably have heard that they had a a promise of at least 10000 removed from the student loan debt from everybody. And now they've been told, you know, by Congress members like Schumer or whatever, that 50000 would be better, would be significant. Whereas 10000 is not significant uh, relief. And so now they're finally putting that on the table again and pretending that they're going to do that. So we'll see how far that goes. But, you know, we got to give money to, to Nazis in Ukraine first. That's, that's priority number one, guys. Priority number one. So I'm going to put the, the links below for these things and save you a time and, and tell you the timestamps there. So don't worry about that. I got you guys. Uh, so this is from, again, but from it mean yesterday, which is the 28th. Range of topics. I mean, I'm skipping, skipping. Two, five, Hold uh, on, let me get back. She also Hold on a second. It's harder to, like, navigate here. Hold on. All right, we'll start here. 
and I'll just turn well, it down. I don't have any comments on the laptop, but what I can tell you. Oh yeah, is they that asked about the laptop. It sounds like the objective of the board is to prevent. I didn't even mean to put that in there, but all right. <laughs> from traveling around the country in a range of communities. I'm not sure who opposes that effort, um, and I don't know who this individual is, so I have no comment on it specifically. Her name is Nina uh, Jankowitz. She also just recently made some uh, polarizing comments about the Twitter Elon Musk's Twitter. Oh, we should preface this by saying because it's come up apparently. <laughs> Nina Jankowitz. Um, is the representative in charge of the Disinformation government Governance Board, which if we um, open the link here, I wanted to put this in a little bit later, but I'll put it in now. Error forbidden. Okay, never mind. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> we'll get to it um, after this. I'll get into that. We'll preface it with this. So we're in order. Here we go. Order purchase, it's just getting some pushback uh, from critics who are saying this person may not be the right choice for uh, a board that is run by the Department of Homeland Security. Can you speak to that at all? I, I don't have any information about this individual. I, I can check on more information about the board. Go ahead. How much of the, how much of the original $13.6 for Ukraine has actually been spent at this point. Reporters are still trying to understand the, the answer to that. Well, I noted a Good little question. bit earlier, I think, in response, in, in proactive, preemptive response to this question, that of the 3.5 billion on security, we've spent 3.25 uh, billion of that already, which we have transparently provided regular info to all of you on. In terms of the humanitarian and economic assistance, a lot of it has been allocated to how it would be spent. I can see if we how have it an would update be spent. on what, what is actually that mean? gone to ground. <laughs> Okay. And secondly, that is on, not on a question. Ban, I mean, that is not an um, answer. Some uh, black uh, community activists, the ACLU. Okay, so then they mentioned the menthol cigarettes thing, which apparently is racist. I didn't know that was a thing. My mother did menthol cigarettes back in the day, and uh, so I wasn't aware that it was a, a black person thing, according to these people, who probably aren't black, I should say. At this point, like that dude is probably not black. Um, 3535. This is the next part. I can only listen to so much of her, and I listen to so much of her today that I want to blow my brains out, but not really because I would never do that. But the things I do for you people. And internet. partners and others to help support them uh, during this time as well. Uh, but I, I'm not going to get ahead of where we will be in three months, four months, five months. Uh, our objective is continue to support the Ukrainians, but I, I, I'm not going to get ahead of where we are at this point in time. I can note, and I know this goes to Alex's earlier question, I mean, a little bit in terms of the other components, and I can see if there's more of a specific of what's been spent down. But when it comes to humanitarian, economic, food, and other security assistance, some of that funding. This is, is several you know, minutes later, by the way. To same question. Of she avoided it the first operations time. and provide other macroeconomic assistance, hundreds of millions of dollars in food, shelter, and other humanitarian aid to Ukrainians. Uh, but we can also see if there's more specifics on where we are with the spend out of it. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, revisiting student loan debt and that issue. Uh, why isn't President Biden willing to go as high as $50,000? Uh, that's the figure that uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has, has, has pointed to. That's the figure that a lot of progressive Democrats have pointed to. So what about that number gives the president concern? 
The president himself has spoken to this in the past, so I'd really point you to his own words on this front, but I'm happy to get them to you after the briefing. But what I can tell you is that the president has said many times that he would be happy to sign a bill that would provide $10,000 in relief to uh, individuals who have student loans. And, and she knows that's not going to happen. That, that hasn't happened yet. That. that could be the first focus of Congress as an example. And he's continuing to consider what he has the executive authority or authority to do uh, with his own uh, power. So I'm just not going to get ahead of that consideration process. So Go ahead. Uh, you, you, you mentioned the $33 billion um, package and how urgent it is. We don't yet really have a timeline on how urgent, you know, yeah. if it's weeks or months. Or, um, can you detail at all sort of the White House strategy behind getting that money secured? The president, obviously, next week is going to, to Alabama to tour Lockheed Martin and, yeah. and the Javelins. See, Javelins. Javelins being made. <laughs> they one opportunity to draw attention to this. She's so are there excited other things about that the White House is doing strategically to, to get that urgency, uh, uh, you know, felt by members of Congress? Look, I think you are going to see a full court press from us oh. on this funding, as well as the COVID funding, which is very oh yeah that uh, which that is vital, thing that they uh, were going to the continuation of before, our fight against uh, the pandemic. Um, and you will see that in the form of engagement with members on the Hill and committees. You will see that in the form of our Secretary of State, our Secretary of Defense, and other national security officials speaking publicly, uh, testifying, as many of them are, and speaking to it during testimony. And obviously, you noted uh, the President's visit to the factory, uh, the Lockheed Martin uh, factory, uh, I believe, in, in Alabama next week. Even the decision today for the President to make the announcement himself instead of doing just a background briefing and providing all of the details to all of you was an effort to talk through the vital need of this assistance, what it would go to, and elevate it to that level. I mean, is there any effort, I guess, you heard this a little bit from him today talking about how Ukrainians are giving up their lives, so, so the, the, the well, money... Yeah, I guess, is there anything that the White House is doing They're giving to, up their to address line. the concern from some Americans that this is an awful lot of money going to a foreign country when we have domestic needs at home? I don't know if there's anything proactively that you guys may do to try to make that case for They want inflation. <laughs> they like well, it. I would say that you, we've also seen an incredibly heart, oh, uh, yeah. heartfelt uh, uh, outpouring of support from the signaling, American people yes. for uh, the efforts of the United States to lead in standing up to Russian aggression and to stand up uh, in favor and support of the Ukrainians. Um, you know, to the president, this is about American leadership in the world. It's also about standing up for democracy versus autocracy. It's about standing up There's against no such thing as uh, one foreign country invading another foreign country. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's about American leadership in the world. So we will continue to articulate that and make that clear. Um, and that is part of the reason reason why the president also detailed in specificity today what all of this would go to. I mean, some of it, a great deal of it is, of course, to military assistance to fight this war. For but the there is funding in there, as he noted this morning, for uh, food security and ensuring that we are addressing any food shortages around the world. Hmm. There's assistance that is going into humanitarian assistance and helping the outflow of refugees. And Why would that be an issue? Hmm, wonder. Uh, skipping ahead... This is the last part that I will play for you uh, to spare you. But it's just quite strange and obvious when they do this, when they act this way in public about something that's so horrific. I just...
have to marvel at it. Like, how evil can these people be? Like, there's just no other way to look at it. Here we go. Do you have any update and insight um, on the explosions in Transnistria uh, earlier in the week? Yeah. And if the Russians were to open a new front in Moldovan territory, would that trigger any new consequences for Russia? Um, on the first part, I just don't have a new confirmation or new details to read out from here. Um, we're still continuing to uh, look at the explosions from earlier this week. Um, I'm just not going to get ahead of a hypothetical at this point in time in terms of what consequences there would be. Uh, yesterday, you were talking about how uh, there's great access to Paxlovid in yep. the country. You're trying to get the word out um, uh, on its uh, effectiveness. Uh, one of the main issues with Paxlovid is that an individual who's eligible has to test positive, and then they have to race to get it within three days, even though they're quarantining. Is there any conversation within the administration to change that for an eligible individual to be able to get it preemptively? I think that would be a decision likely made by our health and medical experts, so I, I just don't have anything to preview at this point in time. It requires a prescription, right? But there are a range of ways to have those conversations with your doctor, so I'm not sure it always involves a race to the doctor's office, but different doctors can have virtual appointments and other means of, of getting prescriptions. It's about consulting to ensure you're eligible. Thank you, Jen. Um, so I have a question on Ukraine and then a follow-up on my colleague's question. Uh, Zelensky's top advisor tweeted today that Ukraine should decide whether to strike Russian military facilities. I know you've spoken to, uh, on this before, but you're uh, trying to avoid a hypothetical situation. But this seems like it's getting closer towards a non-hypothetical situation. Can you, can you at least outline, Cue laughter. outline what's appreciated that? Okay, go ahead. Whether the administration believes that this is escalatory or uh, could be constructive. Why would you wait until the uh, press uh, correspondence dinner when you can just laugh at the world and chaos that you've created in the room with Saki Rair uh, the day before? Amazing. I mean, the, the, to a couple of days before. Well, you know, one, I think it's important to take a step back and remember what we're talking about here. I mean, it is Russia. Uh, yeah, maybe that we shouldn't be laughing at it too. Ukraine and violated Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial but integrity. We do that. It's Russian forces that have committed war crimes and horrifying atrocities. And it's Russia that, that continues about. to attack Ukrainian targets in Ukraine every day. So even if we are, dare I say, getting into a hypothetical, Smiling. what we're talking about here is not uh, any intention of. Ukraine invading Russia and trying to take Russian territory, going <laughs> after Russian civilians, going after Russian hospitals. No, they would never do that. We're talking about consideration of military Just targets. the Nazis. It's something very different. Um, so I just In think charge. that's important context for everybody to consider. I think that's also very important context to consider, but hey, what do I know? I'm just some lowly podcaster. Speaking of bitch, um... Back to the dis Disinformation Governance Board, because that exists now, of course. Of course that exists now, because why not? Why wouldn't it exist in this horrific hellscape of a universe? This is an article from AP, good old AP, who worked with the Nazis in back in the day. And then said sorry about it, so it's all forgiven. Uh, so Associated Press by Amanda Seitz from yesterday. So that would be the 27th. 
of April. No, that is not the 20th. That's 28th of April, and so was that. Okay, I'm dumb. Sorry. So it says here, the Department of Homeland Security is stepping up an effort to counter disinformation coming from Russia, as well as misleading information that human smugglers circulate to target migrants hoping to travel to the U.S.-Mexico border, because those are related. The spread of disinformation can affect border security, American safety during disasters, and public trust in our democratic institutions. Well, show me one first. The department said in a statement Wednesday. It declined the Associated Press request for an interview. A newly formed disinformation governance board announced Wednesday will immediately begin focusing on misinformation aimed at migrants, a problem that has helped to fuel sudden surges at the U.S. southern border in recent years. Human smugglers often spread misinformation around border policies to drum up business. Last to September, for example, confusion around President Joe Biden's immigration policies combined with messages shared widely across the Haitian community on Meta's Facebook and WhatsApp platforms led some of the 14,000 migrants to the border town of Del Rio, Texas, where they set up camp. Some were ultimately expelled and were flown out of the U.S. We are very concerned that Haitians who are taking the irregular migration path are receiving misinformation that the border is open, <laughs> Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said at the time. The new board also will monitor and prepare for Russian disinformation threats as this year's midterm elections near, of course, and the Kremlin continues to an aggressive disinformation campaign about around the war in Ukraine. You know, the Nazis thing. Russia has repeatedly waged misinformation campaigns aimed at U.S audiences to further divisions around election time and spread conspiracy theories around U.S. COVID-19 vaccines. What? When? A uh, fact check? That's, that's a fact check. What is that? How did, there's no documentation for that. Like, you can't just say, that is an opinion. That is not a fact that they are putting in this article. Most recently, Russian state media outlets, social media out accounts, and officials have used the internet to call photographs, reporting, and videos of dead bodies and bomb buildings in Ukraine fake. The board will be led by disinformation expert Nina Jankowicz, who has researched Russian misinformation tactics and online harassment. And she was the one who said something about the laptop that was misconstrued according to her because it was her referencing a debate allegedly um on twitter where she said that uh it was a russian misinformation russian misinformation campaign but i'm sure there's no evidence that that's how she felt at all and i won't find it if i do a search during the 2020 presidential campaign, Biden, a Democrat, repeatedly said he would push tech companies, including Facebook, to crack down harder on misinformation and conspiracy theories that have overwhelmed social media and its users. Dozens of Republican lawmakers and pundits took to social media on Wednesday to widely criticize the new board and call for it to be disbanded. Yes, because that's a Republican thing that we don't want a ministry of truth. 
Rather than police our border, Homeland Security has created has decided to make policy, policing American speech its top priority. They're creating a disinformation board, said Josh Hawley, who's a U.S. senator. DHS said in a statement that the board will protect privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties as part of its duties. So let's do a real quick um, search on uh, this woman, Nina Jankovitz. I don't know how to spell it, so I'm probably going to spell it wrong. Russian dis misinformation. Here we go. I tried my best with her name. Okay, so I got something from August 2020 here. An eight minute listen. No, thank you, sir. Um, let's get to the meat of the situation. Nina Jankovic spent years in Central and Eastern Europe studying mis Russian disinformation. This is from NPR. NPR. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, doo -doo -doo. Oh, she said they were using a range of measures to primarily denigrate former Vice President Biden and what it sees as an anti-Russia establishment. Uh, she says that while warnings from the intelligence community are a good start, a lot more needs to be done. And in a new book, she argues that the U.S. can learn a lot from European countries that have been putting up with this for years. The book is called How to Lose the Information War, Russia, Fake News, <laughs> and the Future of Conflict. And uh, back to the top, where I was, uh, she spent years in Central and Eastern Europe studying Russian disinformation, how to tackle it. She says, while warnings from the intelligence community are a good start, blah, blah, blah. So back to that. Okay. Uh, da, da, da. Let's see what she says here. Okay. So the first thing she says, this is quoted as her saying this in an interview with NPR. She says, it's not necessarily, okay, first the question, why is it not useful when, okay, what does it say? We began by talking about the term fake news and why it's not useful when thinking about Russian disinformation. So she says, it's not necessarily just about cut and dry fakes. It's not something that is entirely fabricated. Disinformation, the best types of disinformation, run on a kernel of truth, whether that's an emotional, visceral truth, and the way that people are interpreting their current environment, current events, and reacting to them, or something that is grounded in a kernel of truth, something that actually happened. So a good example of that is the disinformation narrative surrounding President Biden's son, Hunter, and his work in Ukraine on the board of a Ukrainian energy company. Remember, this is August 2020. All of these conspiracy theories have been glommed on to the fact that Hunter Biden did work for a Ukrainian energy company, and this has been absolutely blown out of proportion to include things like, you know, the CrowdStrike conspiracy theory, which says that groups in Ukraine hacked the DNC in order to undermine President Trump, for example. And this is how disinformation works. At the center of the snowball is that kernel of truth. 
Okay, so she mentioned that. Trying to find anything else here. She talks about Ukraine a little more. Abruptly. Okay, so that's that. So dailydot.com here shows the issues um, that people are bringing up. And it's Jacob's sites. I don't know if there's any relation. That would be fucking weird. But who put this article together, which is basically just a tweet. <laughs> just tweets and shit. So the original, art the, the original thing that she tweeted that was getting concern from people was from October 22nd, 2020. And it says, back, from, back on the laptop from hell, apparently, Biden notes, Biden notes, 50 former NATSEC officials and five former CIA heads that believe the laptop is a Russian influence op. Trump says, Russia, Russia, Russia. And I will say, it is clear as day that she's talking about other people saying stuff. So it's not her specific words about it. So... I will say that, you know, make of, make of it whatever you, you want, but see it however you want, but that's how it is. That's, that's what happened. And as we see, she said that there was a kernel of truth when it came to the Hunter Biden thing. She didn't even mention the laptop in that interview. And I don't know if... Uh, she did before that. I don't have any proof of that. So anyway, disinformation expert on Russia and stuff, hates Russia, loves Ukraine. DHS's website right now is Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. That's Department of Homeland Security. Other than that, we also have a press briefing from today. So we're going today to, to today because today there happened to be a press briefing with our lovely Jinsaki who was addressed about this and I don't remember where the question was so we're gonna have to find it together I love doing that so I didn't write it down presence at the G20 you know Hold on, we're gonna skip components in the package too I know some skippy skips so they can plan for what um, my understanding, Lisha, is that there is. I will quadruple check that and make sure for you. Uh, but we have been about. planning for the possibility of approval for vaccines for children under five. For oh, some that's time important now. Um, and we like to they plan want ahead. children under five to get Go vaccines. Thank you, Jen. Um, the mayor of Eagle Pass told uh, my colleague down the border today, and the mayor is a, a Democrat, by the way, that the border is not being effectively managed and asked the president to come and see it. Does the president have any plans to go to the border? No. I don't <laughs> have any plans to preview at this point in time. No, Certainly of course we're not. open to it, but no plans to preview. Is it something he would consider doing before the Summit of the Americas where he's set to meet with the leaders of 
Central and South America see the situation firsthand before having that robust conversation? Well, he's meeting with leaders of countries that he's traveled to many times and certainly is Not very now. familiar with the issues that will be discussed, which is addressing root causes, coordinating, whether it's uh, on the economic front or security front. Um, and that's so no. an initiative he led during the uh, when he was vice president. So he's very familiar with those issues. On the uh, economy, Austin Goolsby, the former uh, Okay, let me skippy skip again. I'm going to try and find the part about this Nina person. Oh, okay. Economic data we saw today, um, energy accounted for 61% blah, blah, blah. Trump. Is it, though, I guess can you describe what her job is going to be? Oh, this is about some, the woman. Um, TikToks Nina. that she has put out, um, and it, it seems like rather than, you know, calling balls and strikes on this, you know, story is false, and this story, and here's the truth on it, um, one line stood out to me. Uh, they're laundering disinfo. We should really take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. So well, here's what the board is going to do, which I think is of particular interest. Again, a continuation of the work she's of the of former president. She's kind of important to that. Like, so for anyone who's leader. critical of it, I don't. I didn't hear them being critical of the work under the former president. Doesn't which she matter? Just interesting to note contextually. But in the fact sheet that they put out, what they noted yesterday, what they noted in there is that this is meant to uh, one. The first bullet was about protecting privacy, civil rights, and civil <laughs> liberties, and the First Good Amendment. One. They said the primary mission is to establish best practices to. To, to ensure that efforts to understand and respond to disinformation are done in ways that protect privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties. I'd also note that the first example they gave uh, about what they're going to do is uh, is support the Department of Homeland Security's work, ongoing work, back to the former administration on to address how and understand how misinformation spread by human smugglers that prey on vulnerable populations attempting to migrate to the United States. There's no question, everybody, that bipartisan support for that to address disinformation that's going, that's helping smugglers, uh, it, uh, pushing, helping people mi mi uh, migrate or providing false information, uh, prompting people to migrate. Um, so, and th this is also work um, that is helping to address unauthorized uh, uh, terrorism, other threats. Unauthorized and see terrorism. How disinformation and misinformation is. Did y'all hear that? Unauthorized terrorism. So there's authorized terrorism? Good to know. Being pushed uh, to lead uh, to increase those. So that's all work we, we think is work that's been ongoing for some time. This is the form it's taking, and there's a fact sheet that details the specifics of it. You just outlined a lot of you know, efforts that sound very worthy, but you've got someone from the home, Department of Homeland Security telling people how they should vote. How do you explain that to critics who say that doesn't sound right to me? Uh, this is an individual who will overse be overseeing the work of that board. Personnel decisions are up to the Department of Homeland Security. I just outlined the extensive history and background this individual has, but I think what's important to note here is what the board is doing, which is continuing what is important disinformation-related work that began under the former administration. Go ahead. system. This would make any decision. Into Someone to said there's a surprise at 36, so I'm going to go to that part. Might be important. American, we'll get you a mask, we'll get you a test, we'll get you a free vaccine. So the president feels that is also incredibly urgent. Go ahead. Do, do you have a reaction to the report that the FBI last 
year potentially searched millions of Americans' uh, data. And secondly, oh, is good the to president know. briefed on that? Does he have any reaction to himself? I have not spoken with the president about I, this. I must have missed um, that. I can get I you more details about this after the briefing. Uh, really out of it while watching this because I couldn't handle watching so much of her. I've been watching all this shit, so you guys don't have to. So it's a lot. But yes, she doesn't have a comment on that. Interesting. My understanding is that some of this was about uh, researching and doing an investigation uh -huh. into potential hacking. Um, and, oh, uh, and, okay. Uh, so, but I will get you more from the FBI after this. Thanks for the question. Okay, go ahead. Okay, and then there's another thing at 4508 that this person, Prince Vegeta Sun, shout out to y'all, on uh, Yahoo Finance uh, has informed me to go to. So let me go there. Uh, and then we'll we'll wrap it up with Jen because I can't stand her, and I guess we'll watch the whole last five minutes or some shit. No, we won't. <laughs> uh, let's see here, Quagmire. That's definition of what a victory in the war in Ukraine would look like. So my question is, oh how yeah, so this is regarding the length of the war, which they have already said is going to be a long war, and they're talking about fiscal years for military aid and stuff so it's gonna be a long one you're in for quite a winter in ukraine i guess um we'll see how that goes but she's asked about the longevity of the war and what you expect just president biden the, the same president who got us out of afghanistan because mm -hmm. he said it was a costly and unwinnable uh, Quagmire, how long does he expect the American people to back this war when they don't know how long it will last, how much it will cost, or what the ultimate um, definition of victory actually is? Well, I mean, let me just reiterate something the president has said from the beginning. I will get to your point, but this, I will get to your questions, I promise, um, that combating She'll Russian aggression has costs, leaving it unchecked would be even more costly. Allowing Russia to run rampant around Europe beyond Ukraine, which is what President Putin outlined in his speech right before he... Isn't that what they did in Iraq? Like, people let them run amok there and let them run amok in Afghanistan, let them run amok in Syria. All kinds of countries were like, okay, let's let U.S. run amok. Like, if they're going to invade a country, go invade a country. Totally fine when the U.S. does it or funds gen the genocide in Yemen. Totally fine. No questions asked. Yes, we will still work with you. We'll, we won't san sanction anyone involved. We will 100% we'll support your actions in these regions. But no, Russia is beyond the pale. Invaded would be incredibly costly to Amazing. the world and to the United States. Uh, we calculate that as well. Right now, I know, uh, let me, I will get there. I promise. I know you're raising now. your hand. You asked me a few questions. I'm going to get there. Right now, get there. the importance of this package to the president is because every day Ukrainians pay the price of freedom in their now lives. She's reading and he feels providing so really them with arms it. and foods is the right thing to do. And trying to plan for, and I noted that some components of this package are not limited. It's not that the spending will end at five months. It's just allowing uh, the ability it's for forever. us, the Ukrainians and the Europeans, war. to plan over the long term. In fact, much of the security assistance will be much 
longer than that. The reason it's difficult to define what winning is is because <laughs> obviously our, our view continues to be that an end will be through a diplomatic process and a diplomatic conversation. But the you're Ukrainians not letting are the happen. ones to determine what the outcome of that will look like, not for us to determine on their they behalf. They don't want that. So should we expect a line item appropriation for military aid no. to Ukraine for the next 5, 10, 15 years? I mean, is this open-ended? We, of course, want the war to end uh, as course. quickly as possible. And President Putin could do that tomorrow. Uh, but right now, what we're making a decision too. about, what we're advocating for, is trying to support and have the backs Stop of an incredibly Nazis. brave country and their people who are kicked out of their homes, fighting an aggressive dictator and his military, and lacking food, lacking uh, economic assistance, and preventing Putin from rampaging through Europe, which, by the way, would be much more expensive than rampaging. what we're talking about here. So the United States' definition of what success or victory looks like in the region is contingent on how long Ukrainians are, are willing to combat the Russians and whether or not they want to you know, fight them and force them to the negotiation table or push them out of, you know, their borders. That's up to them, but you know, we're not exactly we're... what I said. What I will say huh. is that what President Putin defined as his own version of winning and victory from the beginning was um, taking over Ukraine, their sovereignty, their territorial integrity. Obviously, he's already failed at that, right? So in that sense, they are already defeating Putin's effort to envelop them into Russia. And yet Russia. they still need but our money. But this is an ongoing war. We know that. We know we that diplomacy and having a discussion and negotiation is the way to get an end to it. Our effort and our focus is on strengthening them at the negotiating table. And that's the role that we feel that we can play. I'm going to have to wrap this up. Asma, go ahead and remark. Oh, and Asma, just, you asked me a question yesterday about a credit. That is not possible. Okay, good. But for um, others. Yes. Um, so there have been reports that EU countries are looking to approve a phased uh, embargo on Russian oil as early as next week. Yeah. If that were to happen, it would be huge. And I'm curious how the White House is coordinating with the EU on this. Sure. So one of the steps that the president took uh, last month was to start this task force with the Europeans. I mean, we took steps before that, right, to work with a range of countries uh, in Asia and around the world to provide um, additional supply, LNG supply, it's wrapping up. Where, where they had excess. Japan, for example, did that to provide excess LNG supply because they had the ability to do that to the Europeans in anticipation that Russia could um, weaponize energy, as we've seen President weaponize Putin do. Energy. There was a meeting of this task force yesterday that to continue that coordination, have that discussion, and we're just looking for ways that we can help them address these needs that we long anticipated. Okay, okay, thanks everyone. Uh, thank you everyone. She's done when she's done. Leave her alone. <laughs> so yeah, that happened. Um, I don't want to leave on that note though. It's so sad. Okay, so hopefully you guys can ignore this for a little while and enjoy your actual day-to-day -day lives. Get some nice sun and exercise. Uh, walk around. You know, just have a good time if you can before the end of the world. Um, but yeah, that's basically what happened. I wasn't going to do it for two hours, but it ended up being two hours because... I spent a long time on the Johnny Depp shit. If you are here and you haven't heard the Johnny Depp portion, it's in the very beginning until like 46 minutes or so. And then we get to Fauci. 
So um, if you didn't want to hear that part, now you know that you can start from 46 if you just wanted to listen to the end for whatever fucking reason. I don't know how you would do that. Um, ignore me. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Ukraine, Nazis, $33 billion again. Maybe we'll give them that. Uh, we'll see what happens with Congress. But they're not budging on the COVID spending, which I don't think really was like figured out anyway. Another thing I wanted to mention, because I haven't so far, and it's kind of relevant, because Free Press and Press Association is going to have, or no, the press dinner is happening tomorrow, the correspondence dinner, White House correspondence dinner, and um, Trevor Noah is hosting it, so that should be interesting, because he's been a little, little red-pilled, a little bit, teeny bit on uh, certain subjects regarding COVID-19 and the whole scam that's happened. Um, So we'll see if anything comes of his appearance. Um, But I don't know if we'll have any big WMD moments, finding the WMDs like we did at that one dinner with Bush. Or um, the Obama predator drone joke. That was such a classic. Uh, They just keep getting better and better. Um... But anyway, shout out to a press agent, a journalist who was criminalized and punished for exposing war crimes of people who have still not been held accountable for them. Instead, they want to charge this journalist with up to 175 years in prison, a life sentence, potentially, Um, and that is Julian Assange. So free Assange, like he, he's closer and closer to be being extradited to the U S which is absolutely insane, but (laughs) that's where we live in Sandyland. So, uh, hoping for the best with that. And I would love to see him mentioned tomorrow at this conference conference at this, uh, dinner, this fancy dinner. In the middle of COVID. Middle of a pandemic. What would Fauci say? (laughs) Fauci's not going. Because he is scared of places. I mean he's old enough. How did he not die though? Like, I guess you know. He doesn't have enough conditions or whatever. Um, How is Kissinger still alive? There are so many questions. I have so many questions. And no answers. But you are alive if you're listening to this, and congratulations for getting to this point. And thank you so much for listening, and please check out the Lucky Burrito Show. (laughs) I don't know why I called it like that. Fearlessly Authentic, which I co-host with Lucky Burrito on the weekends, on Sunday. And I don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about since I talked about all this, but (laughs) we'll see what I talk about on Sunday. But thank you again. For everyone who is able to uh, listen to this and give your time to me, I really appreciate it. And I try not to take it for granted. And that's why I don't make you pay for it. Because <laughs> I don't think anyone should have to pay for anyone's time. I'm of that mindset at this point. Um, and certainly not opinions. I just don't think opinions are worthy of, of payment. But yeah, I do research and shit. I would love to do that for a living and get paid. Don't get me wrong. 
But I'm not doing it because of monetary reasons. I'm doing it to spread the word about all these things that are very important to all of us. Um, and in a way, you know, the Johnny Depp case is kind of important to a lot of people because of the abuse aspect of it and the defamation and the law aspect of it and how it will set a precedent um, for what people can say legally and what they can't. So wherever you fall on that spectrum, you might be interested in this case. And that's why I was interested. I was immediately interested because of the hoax aspect of it. I just couldn't get my head around somebody being that completely insane that they could create so much out of nothing and have no evidence for it. It's pretty amazing. Um, pretty amazing that Nicole even, you know, let her win the first trial. But here we are. We're here. She's going to testify. I will cover it in the next episode and I will try to be brief with it. I think I can be briefer in the next one because I won't have as much backstory to get into. So just forgive me for all the backstory and stuff. And if you didn't, if you already knew about all the backstory, you can just skip to like 20 or something, <laughs> 20 minutes. I don't know, but you know, I tried my best and uh, that's all I can do. And thank you again for listening and have a great weekend again and have a great week and a great rest of the, uh, the month and then also a great May.